So God, thank you uh, for our brother. Holy Spirit, just come and, and fill him up. Speak through him. Rest upon him. Give us ears to hear tonight what it is you want us to hear. May your peace be in this room. In Jesus' name. Greetings, everybody. Before we get into the topic, I want to reveal a truth. There's truth that's um, intellectual, and then there's truth that's emotional. Some of the deepest, most profound truths are that of the heart. And I want you to understand, and not just understand with your mind, but with your heart, the heart of God for you. No matter what you're struggling with, no matter what broken background you come from or what you are going to struggle with for the next five years. The Bible says that God is very compassionate. He's a God of tender mercy. He is patient. He's understanding. He loves us unconditionally. It's Christ alone and his work, 100% grace, that welcomes us by faith into his family. And if we struggle with things and if we blow it, we make mistakes, we still have the merit of Jesus and we still have the favor and love of God, right? So I want that to be understood. We're going to be talking about same-sex attraction tonight and we're going to be talking about it with an understanding of God's understanding and kindness, with grace, okay? God designed the human race for love. God is love. We're made in his image. The Bible says that. So we're made for love. And you can look at your own life and say, if my love needs, because we need love, it's not just an option, we need love to be healthy and happy. If our love needs are met we're going to be pretty healthy and happy. If those needs aren't met, things can happen that can be destructive and can redirect our affections. Okay? God designed us with specific love needs. You're born into a family, a mom and a dad. And mom and dad are supposed to look at this child and be so emotionally present and so overjoyed and so wanting to bond with that child. And that child feels welcomed into the world and feels love and feels wanted and feels like they belong. And that is essential. That's an essential need love that God has given us. God has also given every one of us a sex drive. And that's a gift. That's a very good thing. That's an important thing. It's God made. But for some of us, it's very hard to steward because some of us are very broken and we have deficits. And, and we all struggle with sin. Whether you have a, a deficit or not, you are born into a fallen world. And there are consequences that come with that. 
So we're all going to struggle with temptation and it seems that in our culture, our sexuality is really being attacked. Like very, very much so being attacked. And identity is very, very much being attacked. We're going to jump into the Bible here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. We're, we're going to back up. I, I jumped, skipped. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, singular man, and let them rule over the fish of the sea. Now we beca- it becomes plural and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So you see that man, mankind, consists of men and women, right? There's a, there's a gender distinction. There's a body distinction here. And then he goes on to say, be fruitful, and multiply. Men and women, you can talk about our bodies are different, but there's something else that God designed different. There's a term called masculinity and femininity, right? God designed men and women to have different attributes. And all of those attributes actually come from God because we're made in the image of God. They're wonderful attributes. When you think of masculine, just throw, throw out some terms. When you think of attributes of masculinity, what, what are those? Dude. Strong, dude, macho. Okay, what else? Protection. Protection, that's a good one. Provider, provision. Leadership, okay. Very good. Okay, <laughs> macho man, I don't know about that one, but we'll think about that one. How about feminine? What, what do we think about when we think about feminine? Gentle, beautiful, comfort. Nurture, that's a huge one, right? Nurture, big. Any others? Fierce. Women can be fierce, right? (laughs) Oftentimes, women seem to be more in touch with their emotions than men. Oftentimes, it seems that women are more social than men. Would you say that tends to be true? And God designed it that way, and it's all good. Right? So God designed men and women to be complementary to one another. Right? That's the, that is the ideal. The book of Genesis, God commands men, mankind, men and women, to be fruitful and to multiply. What does that mean? He wants more babies, doesn't he? He wants, he wants more men and women, boys and girls, to love and to come into the human race. Okay, God, des- God designed it to be fun. God designed it to be good. Our sexuality is incredibly powerful. It is incredibly powerful, and you can bless somebody with your sexuality, and you can express love to them with your sexuality, and you can produce life with your sexuality. But you know what else? It's very dangerous. You can ruin somebody's life with your sexuality. You can take from them. You can lust after them. You can covet them. You can steal from them with your sexuality. It is very powerful. And I, I do ministry to 
to young men mentorship, and I, I've seen a lot of situations where because somebody was selfish with their sexuality and they did something to a young guy, it destroyed their identity and their sexuality. One act of selfishness. Doing something outside of God's plan. Right? So I want to be very sober when I talk about sexuality. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But may God give us the grace and the mercy and the wholeness so we can steward it in a life-giving way. Right? God designed sex to be within the constraints of marriage, which is a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. We see that in 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 40. Paul talks about marriage and the boundaries, the responsibilities, and the joys of marriage. We also see in Genesis 2.24, I'm not going to go to these uh, verses right now, but I want you to know that the Bible does specifically define marriage, what it looks like, that it is between a man and a, whim, a woman. Okay. The Song of Solomon, when I was at Bethel, there was this guy, we had this Bible study, and we were just going around sharing our stories, and uh, he's like, I've been struggling with lust really bad this week. And we're like, why have you been struggling with lust? He's like, well, I've been reading a lot of the Song of Solomon. <laughs> and we all laughed at him. Uh, but the reality there is the Song of Solomon, if you study the imagery and the history, it's really sensual. It's really a celebration of intimacy between a husband and a wife. And that's a great thing, right? It's a great thing. But if you're struggling with loss, you don't want to read it. I'm just saying. I'm <laughs> kind of joking, but I'm kind of not. Okay, now we're going back to the, to the beginning here. How God designed the family, humanity. He wants it to be a love story, right? He creates Adam and Eve. There he is in the garden. Dad, dad is with them. He's bonding. He's teaching them, right? He, he loves them. He wants to father them. You see, God referred to himself as father more than any other title in the Bible. He's father. You see that in the New Testament, right? And I, I specifically mean the New Testament there is, is Jesus refers to God as father, right? He's a loving, tender, merciful father. And he designed children to be birthed in loving families where husband and wife are so in love with each other, right? They can express love to each other. The wife is not s struggling with an emotional deficit, right? Look at, look at this, this, this lovely couple over here. I mean, they're doing it, right? So they're, okay, okay. So God designed the family to be where husband and wife are connected to their hearts, their emotions, and they can love each other in a romantic way, in an affirming way. They can be vulnerable, and they're, they're nurturing each other's hearts, right? And out of that love for each other, they have sex. And a child is born, or seven children, depending who you are, right? And, and these children are meant to be loved by their parents, if you have parents who can express love and, and are available to you, or six, yeah, that's right, six. So God designed parents to give love to their children, right? They need it. They absolutely need this love. Father is masculine. Mom is feminine. They need both masculine and feminine love. And as they are loved by their parents or their caretakers in this way, 
it establishes value and identity and belonging, and it enables them to bond in, in healthy ways with others. It's preparing them. The way your parents bond to you prepares you as you get older, and then you start to see things in your body are changing, and your desires, you're getting desires you didn't have before, and your socialization and all of this stuff, as you mature, those children who had that love and that affirmation tend to move into adolescence and young adulthood in a way that is positive and joyful. And there's struggles. There's always struggle with growing. There's always growing pains. But they tend to do pretty well with that. That's the way God designed it. Masculinity cannot be imparted from a mom to a son. Masculinity can only be imparted by men, right? And just because you might have a 20-year-old body and your, your body has entered manhood, your, your identity, your emotional life, your emotional maturity might be that of an 8-year-old. And it's not your fault, that's because there was, might have been neglect. There might have been abuse. One of your parents might have died. All sorts of things can happen. But nonetheless, that's true. And a lot of men and a lot of women today, young adults, they're struggling with who they are. And they're struggling with their sexuality. They know they want to be loved, right? There's something, there's some sort of drive that's pulling them. And uh, that drive pulls a lot of people into destruction, Right? And that's really sad. We, we don't want to be those people. But there's something that's pulling them. I've, I've dealt with a fair amount of young guys who struggle with same-sex attraction. Uh, there are different reasons why that happens. But the main reason that I've come across is there's a love deficit. And you can have a, a dad that is morally good but not able to bond with you, not able to really open his heart to you. And you have a, a young boy that's hungry for affirmation, and this, this applies to women as well. I'm speaking more from, from the male perspective because I deal with males and I am a male. Uh, but a lot of this can be flipped over to the gender, and it, it applies very well. So just understand that. Okay. So a lot of young guys, they didn't get the, the love of the father that they needed. God designed them for that masculine love through their, their dad's love. They go on to puberty. And that deficit and that need for a masculine love gets sexualized. Okay? And sexuality itself is malleable. Right? God designed us to be attracted to the opposite gender. But there are different variables that can come into somebody's life that can shift that. Right? And, um, well, I'm not going to jump that far ahead. I just I want to make people aware of this reality. People who struggle with same-sex attraction, you know, that itself I don't believe is sin. The Bible says lust is sin. If you look at somebody lustfully, that you're sinning, right? That's crossing the line. But if you're attracted to somebody of the same sex, I believe it's showing there's a deficit there. I believe that that's an abnormality of the way God created us. But I don't believe that's sin. And there's so much shame with this issue. 
I mean, Satan will attack a person who doesn't feel safe. There's no safe place to go to. For some people, I'm their only safe place when it comes to this struggle. God will show me. I'll get dreams about people who struggle with this stuff. Or there's different ways that God shows me this. And then I have to ask him and say, Lord, are they ready to hear that? And sometimes they're not. Sometimes I have to wait like a year, year and a half or whatever until I bring that up in a way that's so kind and gentle and you establish a trust relationship. Okay, I'm not going to reject you. I'm not going to say anything negative. I'm going to support you, right? I'm not going to judge you by your sexuality. That's not right, okay? And when, when people are able to bring it to the light to somebody who's safe, that's a huge victory in, of itself, right? And for somebody to say, I'm not ashamed of you, I'm not going to reject you, okay? And I'm just, I'm just going to do this right now. Um, there are people who struggle with same-sex attraction here. I'm sure of it, okay? And some have so much shame on them, but, but God's not ashamed of you. It says in Hebrews that Jesus is not ashamed to call them brethren, right? He's not ashamed of us no matter what we struggle with. Shame is a tool of Satan to beat us down. And it, it's something that we need to realize for what it is. God, we repent of agreeing with shame. Any of us who have struggled with same-sex attraction and we've rejected ourselves, we've rejected our sexuality, we've cursed our sexuality. Father, we repent of that. We repent of agreeing with darkness, right? We repent of self-hatred. There's so many people that deal with self-hatred that have this struggle. So, Father, anyone here who, who struggles with this, we repent of agreeing with self-hatred, self-rejection, and shame. And we command those things to leave us. God, we declare that we're accepted. You accept our sexuality, Right? And to all the young men in here, I bless your masculinity. And I say, you've got what it takes. And God says, you've got what it takes. And you women, I bless your femininity. As an older man, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. And I, I am sorry for the, for the men, men and women here, the young men and women, whose parents were not able to bless and affirm your masculinity and your femininity and weren't able to give you that love. That it grieves the heart of God. God wants parents to be able to love their children, right? So, Lord, we bless our sexuality. I bless your sexuality. You're made in the image of God, and your sexuality is good. We rip off the label and curse of bad, no matter what we've done with our sexuality. Jesus has paid for its redemption, right? That's a big deal. That's liberating when you think about that. There's some other reasons why people's sexuality get damaged. Some young guys, they will have dominating moms that dominate the husband, dominate the child, and they literally emasculate the child. Uh, some, some mothers hate men. They hate masculinity. They attack it. And so a young child, a young boy is like, it's not safe to be a, a man. It's not good to be a man. My mom is, says, no, I mean, your, your parent is like God when you're little. They, they're the ones who give you this is right, this is wrong, right? And if, if you're getting attacked because you're a male, things can happen. You can reject your gender, and that, that can cause a person to become more effeminate, 
right? There's, there, I could tell you a lot of different stories, but there's one story where there is, there's a guy who was in political office, his dad, and he was so dominating. And, and this young guy, this son, he would just dominate the son, and the son's sexuality got destroyed. He was going to have a sex change. God, God came to him in grace and saved him, and he didn't give in to that. But um, if parents abuse their children or neglect their children, then that can open the door to same-sex attraction. Looking at pornography can widen the range of people's attraction. I led a group at Bethel. There was a guy there. I had a dream about homosexuality infiltrating the church in a very aggressive way. And I shared it with some of these young Bethel guys. And this guy confided. He never said this to anybody before. But he's, and he was a good-looking, handsome, masculine-acting guy. He's like, Bob, I'm attracted to women. But uh, I started looking at pornography, and things started to change. Right? And a lot of people look at pornography. And there was so much shame. But he brought it to the light. And I do deliverance. And I, I led him in some renunciation, breaking of soul ties, and things like that. And he felt an immediate difference, that, that that attraction, that desire, that fire, that you just say a spiritual fire. It's, it talks in Romans 1 about exchanging natural desires for a person of the same sex and that they're inflamed with passion, right? Oftentimes there is a, there's an inflaming that's so intense with same-sex attraction. Well, he saw immediate breakthrough and more liberty, and that was awesome, okay? Porn- pornography is so... Uh, the flesh loves it, but it destroys your soul. And lust, you know, I've struggled with lust. I mean, there are times when I don't ha- have uh, pure thoughts all the time, 24-7. And I'm so sensitive to my own heart and God's heart in the spirit realm. I know when I give in to lust, it hurts my heart. It like it singes my heart. It hardens my heart. And it actually creates a barrier that makes it harder for me to receive love from people and others. Lust is so self-destructive. And if, if some people are struggling with pornography here, which I'm sure there are, God's not judging you. Jesus paid for it, but God doesn't want you to stay there. I don't want you to stay there, right? There is grace and there's power to get out of it. But when you, when you look at that, it opens a lot of doors in the spirit realm, okay? It really does. And people start getting compulsive thoughts where they start to lose control about what they're thinking about. And when you get to that place, that's a pretty good sign that there's a lot of demonic oppression in your life. Right? But God can deal with that. We just need to be vulnerable enough to get help with people who are safe. There's an evangelical ministry in California. There's a lot of homosexuality in California. There's a lot in the Twin Cities area. And they wanted to minister to uh, a section of California that uh, basically was predominantly gay. And the, the head leader, you know, he got people that wanted to do this, and they were guys, and they was like, have you ever struggled with your sexuality? No, I never have. And uh, these people who had never struggled with same-sex attraction started ministering to these gays, and guess what happened? Well, what happened was they started struggling with same-sex attraction. Okay? And... There are various reasons that lead me to believe that when you see uh, homosexual activity, that there tends to be demonic components to that, that there are spirits. So we're in a spiritual war, and there are bad, there are demons that try to attack us, our identity, our sexuality. And 
the conclusion I've come to in that situation is because they were engaging in spiritual warfare. They were coming into a very strong homosexual stronghold and they were trying to bring liberation. Awesome. But then they got attacked. Their sexuality got attacked. And I've talked with uh, multiple people who've been in different homes with uh, the people of the same sex who struggle with same-sex attraction. And they didn't struggle with this before, but being around these people, now they start struggling with that. Okay? And uh, some people... I worked at North Central University. This guy came up to me, and, and he was a nice-looking young guy, love God. And he was like, I, I had a homosexual dream. Does that mean I'm gay? I said, no, it doesn't mean you're gay. It's just an attack. That's all it is. And um, we need to, no matter what we feel or what we think, we need to come back to the place, what the Bible says about us, right? If I'm a man, God created me to be attracted to women. If I'm attracted to men, um, no matter what harm was done to me or deficit, God is bigger than that. And, and God can restore that. And sometimes it takes years to do this. Sometimes it doesn't. Some, sometimes there aren't huge open doors, but sometimes a person's, that effeminate experience, um, and th- they've given into it and they've fed this stuff. If you've done that for a long time, then it can be a longer uh, process to, to undo that. I want to share with you a story. that If you are struggling with this, I'm nearly done with this book. It's by a guy named Mario Bergner called Setting Love in Order. He came from a very dysfunctional background. And he ended up uh, embracing the gay lifestyle. And he got a sickness. I think it might have been AIDS. And God miraculously healed him. And then he shares his struggle of overcoming the, the same-sex attraction. And he overcame it. And now he's actually doing ministry for those who are struggling, okay? So I want to share with you something here. He meets this guy named Pastor Brown at an inner healing conference. Pastor Brown was a kind-hearted man with a round, gentle face and the build of a wrestler. At a first meeting, he asked me, Mario, what kind of, what is a whole man? Sitting there dumbfounded, I replied, I don't know. When I tried to visualize a whole man, my heart brought up a picture of my father ranting and raving in angry fits of cruel schoolboys harassing me because I was effeminate, of men together in homosexual embraces. These were the only images my heart held of men. He then asked me, do you remember any whole man from your childhood? No, I couldn't think of one. The only inkling I had was from the stories my mother had told me about her father how kind and gentle he always was and how he overflowed with love for his six daughters. But he, too, was a broken man, an alcoholic. Pastor Brown actually was the first whole man who ever took an interest in me. Having a difficult time believing that I had gone through life never having met a whole man, he pressed the question, surely you met one whole man sometime in your life? Irritated, I snapped back, look, buddy, you probably grew up in some place like Indiana where, as a boy, you played Little League, and I'm sure your father came and rooted for you at your baseball games. Well, I didn't grow up like that. Now, you'll simply have to believe me that I have never in my entire 25 years on this planet ever met a whole man. Lovingly, he looked at me in the eye and did not react. 
to my sarcastic reply. He took out his Bible and turned to Luke chapter 7, the story of the centurion's faith. He explained to me how this man loved all the people God put in his path. From his servant to the Jewish people in this area, while the pastor explained to me this beautiful story with great love and care, I began to sense the love of a whole man, Pastor Brown. To me, he was a real-life example of the good and loving centurion in the biblical story. Every time he would look to his Bible and read another portion of the story, my eyes would sneak a look at his kind face or at the gentleness of his hands as if I were inspecting a creature from another planet. I had no idea how to relate to him. That's a big one. I had no idea how to relate to him. At the end of our first session, he took my hands into his, and we prayed together. It was the first time in my life that a whole man had reached out to me. When he took hold of my hands, I responded to his loving touch erotically, and I was too ashamed to tell him about my feelings. There was no place within my being to receive the agape-inspired masculine philea love Pastor Brown was offering me. Additionally, Eros had become written into my heart's storyline of gender identification. I knew only one way to interpret another man's loving touch erotically. While he was praying, with my hands held so gently in his, I opened my eyes and peeked at his face. His sincerity increased the shame I was feeling from my body's erotic response. Then something Pastor Brown prayed caused me to receive a surge of real, non-erotic love. I think it was when he referred to me as my brother, Mario, at the end of the prayer. Not only did I feel the love of God flow into me through this good man's hand, but I also felt real human love. His touch was more powerful than the neurotic feelings emerging from the symbolic confusion within me. Immediately, love began to set in order his identity and his sexuality. And the reality is, going back to the beginning, God designed us for love. If you have this kind of struggle, the right kind of love is going to heal you, meet your needs, and restore your sexuality right? Um, Having father figures and mother figures who aren't going to use you, but who are going to love you and care for you unconditionally is going to impart the masculinity and femininity that God designed for you, okay? God God is a God of restoration and healing. Most men who struggle with same-sex attraction tend to be very sensitive, like very sensitive. And they're, they're feminine traits because masculine, peop- you know, masculine people do have some feminine traits and God designed it that way. Your dominant masculine traits but, but recessive feminine traits and vice versa. Their, their feminine traits tend to get dominating in their emotional life and the way they think and sometimes express themselves. So those are some overlapping things that we see happen in the lives of people who struggle with same-sex attraction. I do want to do a corporate prayer now. I'm done with my message. And uh, before I want to say that, I just want to reiterate this truth. No matter where you're at with your sexuality, God loves you perfectly. And 
no matter what you do or don't do, he's not going to love you more or less, right? If you're in Christ, his love for you is perfected, it's entire, it's whole. So we don't want to try and become whole to make God love us more because we can't do that. It's impossible. We need to have that understanding. God loves me and accepts me regardless of what my struggle is. But that love of God, right? I've had a lot of brokenness in my life and I'll spend hours with, with God and he'll bring up things from the past and I'll process pain and, and his love will come in. Like I have these, on a regular basis, supernatural experiences with God. So um, having a mentor, having a father figure, mother figure, but also coming to God who's a loving, tender, understanding father in prayer and believing he's going to start ministering to your heart. The Bible says that he's close to the brokenhearted. I don't think I've ever met somebody who struggles with this stuff who doesn't have a broken heart. It might be buried deep in there, but God is so loving and so gracious and he wants to embrace people of same-sex attraction. Right? Did you have something you want to share, Paul? Yeah, before, before you pray, some of you remember Molly who gave her testimony here a few years ago. How many remember that that testimony? It was a wonderful, bold, straightforward testimony of her journey through the same-sex attraction and being healed of that. She shared that on a Sunday at Lydia House, maybe a half a year or a year later. At the end of it, one of the girls who had been at Communitas said, I have struggled with that. I hadn't seen her for a long time. And then she came here to Lydia House a few months ago, married. It was so wonderful to see her recovery and how how God uh, touched and healed her. So we're believing for people tonight. I, like Bob, have have ministered to people in our community here who have struggled with that. And there's absolutely no shame coming from Bob, as you can tell, nor from me, nor from Karen, nor from others. Just, just love and reaching out to you to, to offer the healing that maybe you, you didn't get, the love that you didn't get. We want to do that for you. So if there are uh, desires that you want to come to us with, maybe tonight wouldn't feel safe to you. You could go to Bob. Obviously, he's done a lot of it. You could come to Karen or to me, and we'd we'd uh, welcome that opportunity to share with you. Yes. Good idea. Good idea. And after he prays for uh, for uh, healing, I want to pray with all of you for for those who have their identity shattered. It may be through this, or it may be other things. There may be other reasons where your identity is shattered. I want to pray for that. And I'll just say one more thing. Those who are practicing homosexuals and have embraced that lifestyle, God loves them. He loves them just as much as any heterosexual. And he sees the potential, right? I believe his heart breaks and yearns for homosexuals. That every hair on the head of any person who is living that lifestyle is numbered and they have value. And just because they're living in rebellion in that particular sin, God is not going to write them off. God's calling them. God wants them. God loves them. And God wants them to find a home. God wants them to be healed. That's his heart, right? And I I pray that all of us, that, that Christians would view people as people, 
and nothing less, right? And not try and compartmentalize people based on how they, how they define their own identity or their behavior. They're all people that Jesus died for, and we need to see that as well. Do you want to share something, Dan? A quick announcement um, before we jump into ministry time. Um, Trinity Works um, wanted us to announce that they're, they're doing a, a ministry during uh, Gay Pride Weekend that's coming up in Minneapolis, and they're inviting uh, people to, to come alongside them and participate. Um, there's a, a training involved because it is a very sensitive thing, and they want to do it with as much you know, honor and humility as possible. And so if that interests you, um, if, if maybe you'd like to get connected in that area, um, Tyler, want to raise your hand? Um, we'll be upstairs afterwards, um, and you can meet with him if you'd like to hear more about that outreach and get involved. Okay, and I want to open up prayer to ministry for those who maybe don't have a good sense of masculinity or femininity, and maybe Karen could pray for women who maybe want to grow in their femininity, and Paul and I could pray for those who want a, a, a masculine blessing, be it an impartation or whatever that might look like. We'll leave that up to the Lord but it would be awesome to do that as well. So, Father God, we just thank you that you love us unconditionally. God, we thank you that you are our healer. You're our Father. You accept us. You accept us, God. You invite us into your family. You invite us into your heart. God, you're not our judge. You're our advocate. You're our advocate. All our sins are paid for. You're not against us. You're for us. You're not at all against us. You're not ashamed of us. And I pray, Father, for that to hit our hearts, to deliver our hearts. Lord, for those of us who don't feel a deep sense of belonging or value or struggling with our sexuality, we don't feel masculine uh, as men, we don't feel feminine as women, God, we just ask for your grace, and we ask for hope, Father. I ask for supernatural hope to be released right now, that things can change. These desires can change. My, my needs can be met in ways that you design them to be met that are safe and good. And, Father, for those who are struggling with pornography, Lord, we just give that up to you. We give it up to you, Lord, and if our hearts are there, we just repent. Lord, we, we've looked this f- to this for comfort, for a false intimacy, for a sense of belonging, and just all the shame and all the fear and anxiety that, that is released and that the, just the, w- the attack of the enemy, Lord, we just lay those things at the altar. All the pornography, we lay it at your feet. We pray, Lord, for sonship to be released tonight that every young man here is a beloved of God and every young woman here is beloved of God and your past does not define you. God's love, his eternal, unconditional love and acceptance defines you. God, I pray for a deeper revelation of your acceptance, of your mercy, of your kindness. Holy Spirit, you support us and you comfort us. And I pray for an impartation of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to bring healing to identities tonight, to bring comfort, to bring hope, even to burn away images, Lord. We've looked at things that we shouldn't have, 
and those images come back at us, we just ask that you burn those images, God. We repent of looking to them to fill the void. We ask that you break its power in our lives and let your Father's love just heal us. And I, I pray, Lord, for uh, spiritual fathers and mothers to be released into this body. Lord, especially those who are struggling in, d- in deeper ways, who are safe, who are loving, who are tender, who have understanding and can truly minister at the heart level. And we just command shame to break. We command shame to break. In the name of Jesus Christ, we command fear of rejection to break. In the name of Jesus Christ, thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We ask for peace to be released. And we ask for joy. Lord, we we bless our sexuality right now. We just bless and accept our sexuality. We bless and accept our gender. Lord, we choose to bless and accept our gender. We receive it and we give it to you, Lord. We ask that you'd heal our genders. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm really grateful for Bob and his sharing tonight. Wonderful how God has equipped him to deal with this situation. I want to pray similar to him, but for those whose uh, identity has been crushed, not simply by sexuality, but but by anything, by any any kind of disruption in the family or beyond, where you're, uh, it's hard for you to have a positive identity. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you and I want others to stand with you. So raise your hand if you have a crushed identity and that's it's hard for you to really feel positive about yourself. Go ahead and raise it. And if you're near somebody that have their hand up, just put your hand on them. It's okay to raise your hand. That that in itself helps to deal with the shame. So once there are a couple of people that are touching you, then you can put your hand down. But keep it up until a couple of people are are standing with you. There's no no shame in doing that. In fact, we're proud of people who will raise their hand and say, I need help. The Bible says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we received him not. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Lord Jesus, we know you died for our sins, but you also died for our sorrows, for our sicknesses, for our shame. You died. You took shame upon the cross. You were spit upon. You were stripped. You were exposed to the elements. You were exposed to people who shouted terrorizing things to you. You took that upon yourself so we would not have to feel the shame that you felt. And so in your name, Lord Jesus, right now, right now, we begin to lift off. We say no to that shame. And as I pray this now, you just let it go. You let shame go. Just release it. Just say, I let it go. I let it go. I let shame go. I don't have to feel shame. 
Shame is different from guilt. Guilt is, is where we confess sin. Shame is it attacks our very identity. I let it go now. I release it to Jesus who paid for it on the cross. I let it go. I release shame to the Lord Jesus Christ. He takes it upon himself. He bore not only my sin, but my shame. I bless you. I bless you free. Free walk in freedom from shame. That you can see yourself as one loved by the Savior. One worth dying for. One created in the image of God. Marked for eternity. Because you are like God. You are God. You are holy. You are not dirty. You are not defiled. You are not only cleansed, but you are holy. That's who you are. That's what your identity is. You're not dirty. You're not stupid. And I say to you girls, you are beautiful. You are beautiful. God sees you as lovely. Sees you as worth, worth the love. Just let it settle in now. Settle in the truth. We let the lies go. We don't even fight them. We just ignore them. We just turn away from them. No. We just say no. Truth reigns here. The truth reigns here. I saw Jesus walking through here now. Picture him doing that standing right in front of you and he is lifting your chin let him do that so that you are now looking into his face and your heart wants to look down your eyes are saying no we say no to the heart your own heart that often condemns you You say to your heart, bless the Lord. You say to your heart, yes, I will look into his eyes. And as you do, lift up your chin and look into his eyes. He's pouring his love, pouring his love so deeply, so completely. He's pouring down healing into your heart body, soul, and mind. Thank you, Father, that you will give us. As women, your mind, your thoughts, your words, no lies from the enemy, no more lies. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.
everything we saw when we were weak.